You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. One for hitting the trail. One for catching a wave. One where this happened. Yo, where'd our tent go? Another where the fish get bigger. Every time you tell the story. Some spots, you made your mark. Others, marked you. And one, okay, let's stay away from that one. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With best-in-class standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. Comparison based on 2022 Frontier S versus latest in-market Ward small truck segment. Base models compared based on manufacturer's website. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Three, two, one. This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts. Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another episode of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolfenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by UFC Finn Temecula, Golden Road Brewery, BetUS, TickPick, and Charger Bolt Family. If this is your first time, of course, tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube as you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Apple or Spotify or wherever you choose to download your weekly NFL podcast, Dan Wolkenstein. We are continuing our NFL draft prospect breakdown. The combine is now officially behind us. Get a little bit more information on this, guys, as we move uh, move closer to April 28th. And then, of course, the NFL draft. A lot of things still taking place in between now and then. And something is telling me that as we get between now, it being March 9th to April 28th, I feel that there may be a chance, as with our other list, that these are fluid and that these could <laughs> these could change a little bit over the next totally. month. So uh, we're going to be breaking down our top 10 uh, favorite prospects today, breaking down the cornerback position. And of course, we have some honorable mentions thrown in there. Uh, before we get into this, Dan, I'm not going to lie to you. Before. <laughs> it's, I thought initially I was even having the conversation with you. I'm like, okay. This will actually be easier than the wide receiver list. And then once I got around like six or seven, I thought started thinking to myself, wait a minute. Oh, crap. This is actually harder than I thought it was going to be. And there's some honorable mentions that we're going to be talking about that I hated, absolutely hated leaving out of this list. Um, I, I could make a case for any one of these guys to be shifted into the top 10, as I'm sure it could anybody. And I know that everybody's list is, of course, not going to look the same as ours and or yours or whatever it is or anybody else's. So it's fluid. It's fluid as Stephen A. Smith once said, but uh, Dan, how are you feeling before we get started? I'm good. Honestly, I'm excited for this one. I think there's a lot of prospects here that I think a lot of people either have not heard of or are not giving enough attention to, Um, but I'm doing good, man. I'm excited. I think the news of Mike Williams coming back, I think now has kind of put the spotlight more so on corner being a potential option at, 17 or at round you know, day one, day two. And looking at Russell Wilson coming in, like that's more we have to have on defense. So emphasis. Come, 
this comes at a good time. And and when I think of the cornerback class, and I look at kind of like what the Chargers needs are, right? Like I I think we all agree Chris Harris probably is not going to be coming back. So the Chargers are in desperate need of depth at corner, specifically probably a CB3. And if they want to go top end and try to find a CB1 or 2 to put Asante Samuel in the slot, sweet. But I think that's going to be hard to do to find someone better than Asante Samuel Jr. at 17, if we're just being frank. Uh, But the important part to remember as we go through these prospects, again, Jake and I are going to go through our top 10. We'll start with 10, go through, we'll start with five, go through one. And then from there, excuse me, we'll go through, start at one, go through five. And after that, we'll go through six through 10. Uh, The thing to remember, again, this is top prospects for the Chargers. So best fits for this team. And what we think would be the best outcome if they were to be brought into this team. Now, again, Jake mentioned at the top, a ton of these guys are going to be either not be on your list, but they're on ours. I got a sneak peek. Jake and I's list is very different from each other, which I mm. love, actually. Uh, so stay with us. We're going to get through the top five for each of us. That'll get six through ten. And then from there, we'll go to honorable mentions. So, Jake, as we kind of kick this thing off... What's your kind of overall sense of this kind of prospect class? Like, what do you see from it in terms of is, you know, top end depth? Is there bottom end depth? Is there elite skill compared to other years? Like, what's your overall assessment as we talk about this? I mean, from the, from the Chargers standpoint, if you're just looking at what you have, this is a great class to go out and get a guy who could step in day one as a CB3 and possibly go from there. Again, we don't even know what's going to happen come free agency. Everything that we're about to say could completely change after this, as far as some of the guys that we're going to be talking about, you know, whether or not the Chargers go out and pursue a JC Jackson, a Stephon Gilmore, Jadarius Ward, the corners that they have been rumored to be linked to once free agency opens. This, everything that Dan and I will be saying over the next hour, could just be complete crap <laughs> if if that monkey wrench is thrown into it. Um, but no, I think that if you just look at what the Chargers have right now and Mike Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., do they need cornerback help? Yes. Especially from the depth standpoint? Yes, because that really got exposed when you had some injuries in the secondary. As you said, Chris Harris not expected to come back next year, so you're really going to be looking at someone that could step in as a CB3 but possibly have those skills to develop even better as time goes on. And it'll be interesting to see this because there are certain guys that could be drafted here that are going to fit completely different. That could either start in the nickel, or if you go after one of the bigger bodied guys, Asante Samuel Jr. may possibly move into the nickel spot. Who knows? So it's, it's really interesting to see how this, cornerback class and where the Chargers go, be it free agency or some of the guys we're going to talk about here could really just reshape the secondary that we're going to see next season. Yeah. And and I, and I would echo the sense that there's so many options and different types, similar to what we saw at wide receiver, like depending on what kind of corner you want, there's a whole bunch of different dudes that can potentially fit that need. Now I will say, and Jake, I don't know if this is a hot take, but when, they, when you start thinking about like our top 10 lists, and again, we're going to get through each of ours. The one thing I will say about this class, and I don't know if you agree with me, but it seems as though the top end talent of this class is not what we've seen the last few years. 
But then like tier two, three, four, you could argue is better than what we've seen in years past. So I think that bodes well for the Chargers at where they're picking. But for folks who are looking at like the top 10, maybe top 15, like getting CB4, for example, I think is very different than getting CB2. And would you agree? Like, would you say top end is not as good as we've seen in years past? Like Caleb Farley, JC Horn. I mean, yeah, if you're coming off of what you saw last season, I mean, yeah, it's the, there's, at least from my list, from number one down, there can be issues to say, okay, well, that could be flexed a whole number of different ways. It really wasn't set with the big three as it was last year. And then, as you said, past that, Again, it's just a really deep cornerback class. So there's going to be a number of options that the Chargers could go. Um, whether it's if they decide to pass on it in the first round, there's plenty of options from from day two and day three on. Yep. So, uh, Jake, you ready? Ready to get into it? I'm ready, dude. All right. So and you uh, know what? I'm I'm actually going to be a gentleman, Dan, and I'm going to let you start with your number one guy. Oh, you're sweet. So, Jake, we're already, (laughs) we are one pick in, and I believe we've already differed on our top 10 list. Yep, a bunch of people are probably like, what the hell, Wolkenstein? Are you kidding me? I know, I know. Derek Stingley, out of LSU, six foot 190, has run his 40 time. Again, has the issue with the the injury. Liz Frank, almost 31-inch arms, nine and five-eighths hands. In my opinion, Jake, Derek Stingley is the best pure cornerback in this class. When you draw up what you want your cornerback to look like and what he looks like on the field week over week, that's him. Uh, Blue chip, um, incredible against SEC competition. Go back and watch what he did against Jamar Chase in practice. Again, remember, they were on the same team. Locked him up. Uh, Elite quickness, lockdown corner, isn't afraid to get nasty. I know there was some... Questions about, oh, well, 2021 season was kind of, you know, above average. It wasn't elite. Go back and look at what his elite tape looks like in his flashes. In my opinion, his flashes are better than anyone else in this class by far. And in my opinion, if you're looking for the best players, it's one of those things where I look for the top end flashes. Like, where could you see him at his ceiling? And if you can coach that up to be more consistent, you got a gold mine. Uh, I love his ability to turn around. I think he does a great job turning his head last minute. Uh, Super smooth, insane athlete, great hands. Honestly, he has better hands than most wide receivers, it looks like. Um, Great ball skills, by the way. Definitely a ball hawk. Uh, It seems like he is worn on receivers like a sweater. (laughs) Like, he's always attached to them. Very long, sticky arms. Again, you can leave him on an island, and you don't have to worry about him. He's going to be just fine. like I said, five-star blue-chip talent. The best corner in this class in terms of pure ceiling, in my opinion. Again, the Liz Frank injury and consistently is kind of the only concern. And again, like that injury is a big one. But my goodness, Derek Stingley, arguably at his best, you could put up against any corner in the last two, three years coming out of the draft. Derek Stingley is one of the most athletic prospects in this draft when he's healthy, when he's healthy, asterisk when he's healthy. Yes. When he's healthy size, speed, explosiveness, check, check, check. I totally get it. As you were talking about 
wearing wide receivers. The dude is not afraid to tackle, has true closing speed. But on top of that Linz Frank injury, Dan, you know, he's only played 10 games over the past two years. Jordan Reed from ESPN actually gave him a nice player comparison to Marshawn Lattimore, which mm. I really thought that that was an appropriate uh, comparison in that regard. But Dan, if we were talking about any position outside of wide receiver or cornerback that's coming off of a Linz Frank injury, I'm pretty sure you probably hear some teams say, okay, we can get around that. I Do I think that he's going to fall out of the first round? No. Is he being talked about as one of the bigger prospects that could see a, a tumble? That's kind of what I'm heard. I'm not sure how far his, his fall is going to be, but that's something that's been circulating around. I know he says that he's ahead of schedule as it relates to his rehab from Linsfrack, but Linsfrack surgery is no joke, and especially from a cornerback position, it's just like you have to take that. You, I mean, that's that's a considerable injury that you cannot think twice about. So again, I I'm hoping from his standpoint that he doesn't fall because if he comes back healthy, he's going to be a tremendous talent for whoever gets him. But I could definitely see that that would be a reason why teams would be shy to spend a top 10 pick on him. Now flashback to last year, Caleb Farley was like a polarizing topic. Are you as worried about him as you were about Caleb Farley or are you more worried? It was, it was just the ACL for Farley before the draft. Wasn't it? He had, we had a few injuries, but that was the one that was the last one. I mean, when the, so just to give it some context, when the chargers were picking 13, I, I said that it was not, worth the 13th pick to go out and get Caleb Farley. And ultimately what he, he was taken by the Titans. It was 19 in the team. I forget. I think it was in the teens. I think it was. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I think it was 19. Uh, and, but then didn't he get hurt again this year, Dan? He did. He did. So, you know, sometimes it ends up working out. Okay. Sometimes it doesn't from the Titans standpoint, look at, look at it like this. The Titans are not afraid to draft injured players look at Jeffrey Simmons because he He's suffered a fine. bad injury right before the draft. <laughs> I was pissed because I wanted the chargers to end up taking him. And then the Tennessee still went ahead and spent a first round pick on him and look at what he's done since he's been in the league. So they came back to the well with another cornerback last year in Caleb Farley. They did the same thing and it looked okay for his first season. And then ultimately the injury ended up happening. So risk versus reward for me, Dan Lens frack is just, it's a different animal. I know people are That's fair. historically of the ACL variety. You're able to come back a little mm -hmm. bit quicker than expected from ACLs. It's not the debilitating injury that it used to be 15 years ago. So, but a lens frack injury, Dan, and at a cornerback position, I, I just can't see it. I know it's a, it's a big asterisk, but I like, I'm just, I'm just judging on pure talent alone. Mm -hmm. If he's healthy, I know that has to be taken into consideration. Like I You'll get, get no argument from me from the athletic traits and what he's put on tape that he's he's worthy of being in the CB1 conversation. Yeah, but again, and I'll let you take the reins on the next one. We said this offline, but this is kind of like a CB1A, 1B thing, in my opinion, in terms of like, what is the flavor of corner you want? Like, do you want like the like the Revis Island type of corner, or do you want like the Richard Sherman type of corner? And like, those are very different styles, 
both can be effective, but they're very different. And so I think this is more of just like a flavor uh, preference, but you cannot go wrong with your CB1. Talk to us about Ahmad Sauce Gardener. Give me the sauce. <laughs> Give me the sauce. The only thing that is, you know, a little bit bittersweet about talking about Sauce Gardener is for the fact that he's not going to be there when the Chargers pick at 17. He's just... He's that good. And now, you know, you look at more recent mock drafts and uh, everybody's saying that he has the potential to go top five <laughs> in their class, which is just absolutely nuts. But Sauce Gardner, Dan, I mean, talk about just combination of fantastic size, oozing confidence in his play, terrific handwork at the line of scrimmage, able to reroute right receivers very, very easily. Dan, he didn't allow more than 13 yards to any receiver in 2021 and didn't allow a touchdown catch during his entire college career. And that is of 1059 snaps. I mean, that is just ridiculous college production, extremely fluid in coverage. As I mentioned, not afraid to tackle. We were kind of skeptical a little bit there for a few minutes when he came out in the combine and we saw what his first 40 was. We're like, Oh, and the four fives, he can run. It's like even Daniel Jeremiah was saying, it's like he can run a little bit faster than that. And then his second 40 came around and he ran a four, four, seven at six, three, one ninety. I mean, he just, he didn't have to do really anything else the rest of that day. And that was one of the things that you wanted to see just to go along with those measurables at six, three and one ninety, and then a run a four, four, seven on top of the play that he's already put on tape. Uh, th there's no question that that he's made such a case for himself to be CB1 and his draft stock has just gone to the moon over the last month. 100%. Yeah, again, I have him as my CB2 or 1B, depending on what you want. I don't, I don't want to repeat everything that you had said because all of it is true and 100% uh, baller status. I think the things I like about him, uh, 33 and a half inch arms. So he's very lengthy, which gives wide receivers absolute fits. Uh, very good at blitzing, good timing, uh, has that lengthy frame that I think a lot of corner or a lot of defenses are going to love. Um, I do have some knocks on him though. I don't necessarily know if I love his kind of lower body fluidity kind of looks a little jerky, but at times I think his technique could use some work. He does play a little bit high, but again, like he's six, three, like there's some of that you just have to do. Um, I do have some concerns. I mean, he he does try to play physical, but some of it comes across almost like too handsy and too aggressive, which you see a lot of penalties. Uh, and in the NFL, especially, like they're going to get called all the time. Um, I do worry a bit about like the, like I just imagine him going up against like a Keenan Allen, where Keenan Allen is like the expert or Stephon Diggs or whoever else, Justin Jefferson, expert route running. And they can almost use his leverage to his demise. Um, but look, I, I think he's a great corner. Um, he can make a round really quick because of how fast he is. Uh, I do think he could use a little bit more size. Um, he's a little thin for me. 190 at six threes thin in my opinion. Um, but again, he has that Richard Sherman archetype kind of has like that Antonio Cromartie vibe to me. Um, but again, like you, if you get him on your team, your team is better. Point blank. <laughs> Final word on this, and then I'll, I'll let you go on to your next one, Dan. The penalties at the next level, you can get cleaned up with good coaching. 
he can put on the necessary weight in between now and when the season starts. But you can't teach six three, and you can't teach four four seven speed at, at that size. So you're that's you're all right. I'm gonna say. <laughs> you're right. You're right. All right, Jake. This is where we start to get into some controversy. Uh, my CB three, and I believe this is a bit higher than you have him. Hold the phone, Kyer Elam out of Florida. I have as my CB three. Can I take pause, folks? You can scream, go crazy later. Let me explain. Uh, 6'2", 191 out of Florida, ran a 4.3940, has almost 31-inch arms. Again, lengthy, kind of that same archetype, a little bit shorter, not much, but a little bit shorter than Sauce Gardner. But what you see from Kyer Elam on tape is so good. I absolutely love what this kid brings to the NFL level. And if you think about kind of the differences between the two. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. I think he is quicker, quicker, not faster, quicker than a sauce gardener. I think he can go up against the bigger wide receivers as well as the smaller ones. I love his timing. Physicality, I think he's more physical than sauce gardener. Um, He can play man-to-man really well. Uh, fits like a glove when he's trying to, when he's covering wide receivers. Uh, he's got that swag. I know we talk about sauce Gardner, but he's got swag too, man. Like he, I think he is really, really nasty when he wants to be. And you like to see that from your corners. Um, he has had some issues with like consistency with tackling, but again, I think that could be coached. Thank you. Um, but he's not afraid to be on an Island at all. Like you can leave him by himself. Uh, the dude is just a playmaker ball Hawk type. Um, he had a little dip in consistency again this past season, similar to Stingley, but similar to Stingley again, like his flashes are just too dang good. Like get him in a system with coaching staff who could bring out the best in him and consistently bring out the best in him. He might be, in my opinion, I think he's a top three corner in this draft. If he's coached up correctly, I think he has the physical traits and he has the tape and the flashes and the ceiling to be great in the NFL. Yeah, to piggyback off that, Dan, Kyrie Elam, again, I don't have him ranked as high. It's not too far behind for where I have him ranked, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have him as my top three. But where do you where do you have him ranked in your list? Oh, we'll, we'll we'll find out soon enough now, won't we? <laughs> but he's got he's got enough versatility to play in both press and zone schemes. He's patient, plays high at the catch point, footwork is solid. I think one of the biggest questions about him, and he he definitely put some of this to rest at the combine, was some people were criticizing his downfield speed that it wasn't fast enough, and then he goes out there and he runs a four three nine at the combine at his size, which was just awesome for him. And like you had mentioned, the aspects similar to Stingley, the twenty twenty one tape on him was not the best. And yes, he plays physical, but I but he definitely plays at times undisciplined, as you had mentioned the inconsistencies, which is the, one of the biggest things that I saw, which is why I don't have him this high. But still, just as a physical corner, I mean, there are some guys that have Kyrie Elam going at the back end of round one, so it's not it's not an insane thought that you have that you have him here at CB three. It's totally fine. Again, everybody's cornerback list because of this draft class is going to be all over the damn place. But at the same time, 
He's not my CB3, but he's a damn good prospect. And as you said, in the right coaching scheme, he could he has the potential to develop into something great. Well, then let's just move right on. Uh, let's go to your CB3, Jake. Probably the guy that we're seeing the most mocks to the Chargers at 17 from a cornerback position. CB out of Washington, Trent McDuffie. I just love everything about Trent McDuffie, man. I really do. Three-year starter, plays well above his height at 5'11". He's an aggressive playmaker, can run outside or in the slot, allowed only 16 catches on 296 passing attempts in 2021, Dan. Now, we know that we have the two guys out of Cincinnati and Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. was very similar to what you had in Trent Mm -hmm. McDuffie and Kyler Gordon in Washington. You had the one guy or the other guy. And I think that when you look at that 16 catches on 296 passing attempts is just insane. But I also think that a lot of people just shied away from him and didn't want to throw his direction. Um, But uh, he's not afraid to tackle. It has the perfect blend of physicality and aggressiveness that you want to add to this defense. I thought he just was nailing all of the drills at the combine ran a four, four, four in the combine in the back pedal drill looked extremely smooth. Change of direction was there. I thought he just quietly kind of just flew under the radar for how he performed in his physical traits. So he's definitely close to that size be damned thing that I'd want to say at five eleven. But again, the tape is there. He plays physical enough where he plays bigger than what you see in the measurables, uh, as opposed to some of these bigger guys, uh, that we've obviously spoken about in sauce and Kyrie, and we're going to speak about a few more of those guys, but I just love everything about Trent McDuffie. And he said that he did meet with the chargers at the combine and just imagining a secondary with Mike Davis, Asante Samuel jr. And Trent McDuffie and how you could possibly move those pieces around. That just gives me a lot of intrigue and a lot of excitement. I know a lot of people probably right now wouldn't spend the 17th overall pick on a corner. I don't know. A lot of people would. Or maybe a corner, but maybe it's not Trent McDuffie. And I could totally understand their arguments for that. But I just love everything about this kid. If it, Whether it was at 17 or if the Chargers traded back a couple picks and he's still there on the board, I, I think that he would be a great addition to this secondary personally. Okay, so I'm going to preface this with – I don't disagree with anything that you are saying in terms of how excited I would to see I would be to see him on this team, how much of a fit he would be on this team, uh, how well he would play alongside of Asante Samuel and Mike Davis. Here comes the butt. Here it is. But in my eyes, this might be the the one player that I think has gotten a ton of vibes and a ton of praise. Deservedly so. But in my opinion, Trent McDuffie is not worth a 17 overall pick. And I would argue he might not be worth like a mid twenties in the first round pick. Now, let me explain right now. The Chargers will be looking for probably, like if they're looking for a CB1 or CB2 on this team, I don't think Trent McDuffie is going to start over Asante Samuel Jr. or Mike Davis. I could see him being a great CB3. Totally could see that. But are you going to spend a first round pick, let's say top 25 pick on your CB3 and not go for like, you know, CB1 
on your team, or maybe you can go for like, you know, the premier defensive tackle. Like I see him being a great CB three, but if we picked Asante Samuel Jr. at 47 last year, and he's better than Trent McDuffie, how are we going to try to rationalize picking him at 17? Now, again, I love Trent McDuffie. If he was there in our second round, run, sprint. In my eyes, I just don't see him being as high as pe- as other people. He is not in my top five, which I know is a shocker to a lot of people. Um, but again, great corner, 4-4 speed, good feel for the box. He also is very good on special teams. I think he'd be good as a gunner to help with that. Really good with cover three, good off the line, good in zone. I don't necessarily see him playing like on the boundaries, man-to-man as much as people do. And I kind of would rather see him playing inside, which the Chargers had talked about. They see him as more of an inside guy. Again, not CB1 or 2 for us. So there, I therefore, I have him down because there are other guys on this list that I could see being starting caliber corners. But a day two talent for me that I love, very similar to Asante Samuel Jr. I see him as very similar in draft compensation as we did last year. I have him as an early second round grade, but look, I I like Trent McDuffie. I would love to see him on my team, but there are other corners I like more. The only thing I'll agree with you on that is that <laughs> the only thing. the only thing that you said that actually made sense to me was you may not feel comfortable spending the 17th overall pick on him, and I totally get that. And me personally, what would I value over cornerback at 17, no matter who it is? I'm valuing D tackle and I'm valuing edge edge rusher more at that circumstance. Um, so yeah, I could totally see that. And, they, and this would have to be a lot of different circumstances in order to be taking Trent McDuffie at 17. But if the Chargers were to trade back in the mid twenties, Dan, and he still happens to be on the board, I would be all over that. If you acquire an extra second round pick and you could then take Trent McDuffie again, he's got enough scheme versatility, Dan, that, Hell, we were getting killed in the nickel last year. So you mean to tell me that despite the fact of who's not there right now, that Trent McDuffie coming in and reshaping this secondary along with a Nasir Adderley and a Derwin James, you just talk about some guys that are dogs that want to play, that could tackle, which the Chargers DBs had a hell of a time doing last year. So I would love it. I would love to see a player like him regardless of where he he ends up getting drafted, come into Brandon Staley's defense and see how creative that he could be with all the pieces. I agree. Look, look, again, I love the player. I see him as, I see him just as good, maybe a little bit less than I saw from Asante Samuel Jr. And I was begging and pleading for us to get Asante Samuel Jr. at 47. Like, so again, love the player. I'm just a little lower than him than most. Okay, next guy, Jake. Andrew Booth Jr., I love this kid. I think he's one of my favorites in this draft class. He's very underrated. I have him as my CB4. You're hearing so much from everyone else about this class, and it's not about Andrew Booth. He's kind of like one of those flying under the radar kind of guys that I don't know. man right now. No. Uh, So Andrew Booth, six foot, 194, has 31 and a half inch arms, nine and three eighths hands, long arms, six foot, good size. He is like that, like heat-seeking missile to me. He's like a blur on the screen. You know how sometimes you see like Derwin James? I'm not saying he's Derwin James, but in the sense that you'll see Derwin like flash across the screen and go from silent to silent to make a tackle. 
Andrew Bruth has that same quality where he just instincts like click and close and bam, he's there. Uh, I think his instincts are phenomenal. Sure tackle, sure tackler, excuse me. Uh, squares up very nicely. I think he does a great job using leverage. Uh, tackle for loss machine. You could totally put him in the box up for like bubble screens, things like that. Um, a tad smaller frame, but like you wouldn't know it because he is tough, man. Excellent hands. He had this insane one-handed interception uh, that looked just like Odell Beckham. I think I want to say it was against Virginia. Um, he had another one that was incredible, like a diving interception with his fingertips against South Carolina. He's just an overall smooth player, man. Smooth runner, smooth range. Uh, I could totally see him being an excellent special teams gunner as well. Um, the only major dock that I have on him is I think sometimes he gets a little, I don't know, over his skis at times and his anticipation can kind of be his biggest demise. And if his eyes fool him, he can get burned badly, but I'm hoping that that can be something that you can get caught, get taught how to kind of get through. Otherwise the kid's a stud. Dan, I don't know if anybody's draft stock has fluctuated as much over the next, say, or the last month and a half, say, than, than Andrew Booth. Because as you mentioned, a month and a half ago, he was easily, you know, people were t- people in mock drafts were taking him in the first round, this, that, and the other. He was high up there with, with Stingley and Sauce, and, and that was that. And then just after the last couple of, you know, several weeks of going through Senior Bowl and obviously him not getting a chance to perform in the combine, I just kind of feel like he's the forgotten guy out of this group. Right? And, um, and even saying that, you know, he, he can play, he plays very well in both man and zone. It has a very high football IQ and, and coverage. And you see that in his awareness, as you mentioned, Dan, he's very aggressive at the line of scrimmage ball Hawk, terrific closing speed plays well against the run, which God knows you need the, these chargers defensive backs to do that for how they played against the run last year. But you mentioned him being the, the heat seeking missile. I'm right in line with you there. He can occasionally be a little bit irresponsible, a little overzealous <laughs> in his tackling. Doesn't have, you know, can be undisciplined at times, essentially. And the other thing is, Dan, coming into the NFL, doesn't have as much starting experience as you would like to have for a guy who you could be committing as a CB1. 35 games, only 15 starts throughout his college career. That was the other big thing for me. So there may just have to be some more refinement or some more development of him at the next level, but the measurables that are there, guy plays with an attitude. You love to see that. Not afraid to tackle at all. Um, I'm just going to be interested to where he goes because <laughs> – Again, this was a guy who we were talking about surefire first rounder. And then there's mock drafts that I've seen more recently that they have him going at the first half of the second. So the draft value for him has just been all over the charts. I have no idea where Andrew Booth is going to end up, to be honest. So I, I have his grade for me as an early second round pick. But again, like I think that kind of points to like people's opinions of him are all over the place. Uh, I have him as an early day two pick. And weirdly enough, this is the first time in our top 10 list today that we have been aligned on our numbers. Mm. So number four for both of us was Andrew Booth. Uh, Ready for the next one? And I think this is a great one just as like a fit for not only the Chargers because of the scheme, 
but also because of just the damn name, man. How imagine having Kobe Bryant playing for the LA Chargers. Like that would just be oh, that'd be Chef's Kiss. It would be amazing. This guy, okay, the other Cincinnati corner, and you could argue he is equally as good. Jim Thorpe Award winner, best cornerback in the nation. 6'1, 193, ran a 40 at 454, which again, at 6'1, 45 is plenty fast. Uh 30 inch arms, almost nine and a half inch hands. Kobe Bryant, man. It, his arms are not quite as long as you'd like, but you wouldn't like he he plays so smooth. And I think he has, I mean, in my opinion, I think he has much better uh technique than his counterpart at Sauce Gardner. Like I think Sauce uses some of his physical characteristics just and kind of bullies through the technique, things that are not necessarily as good as Kobe Bryant. Um, I think Kobe Bryant has incredible instincts. He reads the quarterback really well. Um, I think he'd be really good in like a zone scheme where he can kind of watch the quarterback. Um, you can tell he's a very cerebral player, very smart. You can tell he studies the game. And a lot of his kind of like quick reaction time you don't get without studying the film and studying your opponents. Really good hands, great ball skills, prototypical NFL corner size. Again, super smooth. And you watch him at the combine, and he just looked the part, man. I, I have him as a mid-round two. And if he's available for the Chargers at the second round pick, ooh, and they didn't go corner in first round, there is only, I honestly, I think there was only one other position that I would pick over corner at that point, and it's wide receiver. Otherwise, if it's Kobe Bryant or any other position than wide receiver, I'm picking Kobe Bryant. I think one of the first things that jumps off about Kobe Bryant to me is the experience. Four-year starter we're talking about here. Um, very, very highly intelligent for a defensive back. Again, not afraid to get dirty and run support. You see a trend here, obviously, as far as what I'm looking at in terms of what the Chargers need. Uh, always around the football. Again, ideal size for an outside corner, Dan, as you mentioned, at 6'1", 193. Drills, I think, were ex that was one of the things coming into Combine Week was that drills were important from him that was everything that i was collecting as far as what everybody was looking for that they wanted to see from him um and i thought in terms of you know the 40 was okay four five four nothing that kind of blows your socks off but all right i thought he looked very smooth in the back pedal and uh the hip flip drill looked super smooth through that um outside of that you know not a lot of dbs ended up running their three cone or doing any of the other drills really outside the on-field drills that the coaches were having them go through. Um, and I think that there's are things that, you know, you'd like to see that could be an improvement. I think his, his closing speed leaves a little bit to be desired. Uh, I think he's, I think he's just, the anticipation just needs to get a little bit better, but outside of that, the size is there. The speed's okay. It's, it's, it's adequate for an outside corner, especially if you're going to have him play outside at four, five, four, but he's highly intelligent. The experience is there. Again, not afraid to tackle. Very, very good traits for a cornerback. And Dan, you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it. I'm not trying to knock your boy. But you know, if he's there in the second round, yeah, I could see an argument to be made for that. Okay, so Jake, so that rounds out our top five, or at least my top five. Your top five was Sauce Garner, Stingley, McDuffie, Andrew Booth. 
And then who was your five? So I actually had uh, Kyrie Elam to round out my top five, Dan. So again, I am a little bit lower than you. Mm. Uh, Kobe Bryant is going to end up being eh, a couple picks down <laughs> from here. You know, it's fine. I ended up having him at number seven. There's a guy that we're going to talk about here in just a second. That's just above him. But uh, yeah, I mean, outside of order, with the exception of McDuffie, we're pretty much the same as far as the guys that we have in the top five. Yep. All right, Jake. So we have made it through the top five list. Before we go any further, I feel like we got to pay the bills. Let's get through all of these fun ad reads. So Jake, yes, without further ado, get us some money, man. Let's talk about some bets. <laughs> Well, Dan, we're excited to announce that we have partnered with a number of different sports books to give you the best options for all of your sports betting needs. For our California listeners, BetUS.com is the perfect place to bet on your favorite sporting events. If you live in a betting state, then be sure to check out our deals with DraftKings, FanDuel, and BetMGM. And in order to get our special Chargers Unleashed deal, you just have to go and click on the link located in the description of the video below and win with these amazing promotions that we have. Uh, I've been a, actually a customer of BetUS for a a long time they're definitely legit a lot of different options and sporting events to choose from as far as how you want to tailor it if you're a straight better if you're a parlay better whatever it is that you like to do prop bets you name it they allow a number of different combinations so uh definitely like what you see from bet us highly recommend it go on and check in the link the link in the description below and go to betus.com and sign yourself up seriously who's blowing up my phone oh yeah Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Spring it on with 40 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Matching styles for the family are on sale too. Shop it all through April 12th. Okay, Jake. So now we're again rounding out got through top five. Now we're going six through 10 honorable mentions. And Jay, we're starting off with the same number six, which feels mm. so good to say. Kid out of Auburn, man. Roger McCreary. 5'11", 190, 4540. He arguably to me is just as good as Trent McDuffie, but I'll let you start first and I will round out afterwards. If I'm correct, Dan, this is the last similarity that I believe that we have in our top 10, if I'm right. Yeah, I believe you're correct. As far as, <laughs> as, far as where they're ranked, yeah. So good luck. You're not going to hear anything similar from me and Dan for the rest of the show. But Roger McCreary, arguably the most battle-tested cornerback in this draft going up against some of the best of the best of the wide receiver class this year. Plays extremely aggressive, able to knock receivers off their routes. Danny had a, he had 30 combined interceptions and pass breakups over the last two seasons. That's pretty damn good the last time I checked. His athletic traits, his, his physical measurables, I think are what we're making people question his success at the next level. Again, even 5'11", 190, ran a 4'5", 40. A lot like Trent McDuffie, I kind of just felt like he had an under-the-radar, just solid all the way through combine. He looked really, really good in the drills out there. Again, tested well. Looking at again at the back pedal and the hip drill, looked fluid through that. Um, 
And he and he surprised me a lot. I know the testing for him coming in was extremely important. I'll be interested to see how he progresses through that come his pro day and if and whatever numbers he chooses to stand on. See if there's anything that he can improve on. Obviously, the the three cone will be something that will be of uh, of big interest for a lot of scouts. But yeah, I, I thought McCreary tested extremely well. And again, what he did against some of the best of the wide receiver class, you gotta love it. You gotta love it, and, and that cannot go unnoticed. No, uh, I love Roger McCreary. Um, when I was going through watching my film on him, he was the one of all the corners in this draft who was the most like Asante Samuel Jr. And I say that in the best ways possible. Now, get the kind of the negatives out of the way. And again, I'm saying negatives, air quotes here. Smaller arms, 28 and 7 eighths inches, which is like three inches shorter than some of the other guys here. Uh, smaller hands too, 8 and 7 eighths inches. But when you watch him play, this guy is a cat and is just like Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, incredible instincts, smaller but very sturdy. Uh, incredible use of hands for pass breakups. I think he has a great timing with them. Very patient defender. Doesn't panic. Uh, really, really quick short area quickness and defends like the ends, the slants, and all those kind of quick things on the inside much better than most of the guys in this class. Um, seemingly always in the wide receiver's back pocket. And his play style makes it look easy, man. Like he, he's just so sticky. He's a pass breakup machine. Um, great use of spacing. Great body technique. Of all the players, he might be my favorite. Like fit, not necessarily the best and the best fit, but in terms of like the Chargers could pick him in round two. He would be a great spot for like the Chargers scheme in that like nickel star, you know, CB three four area, like. Oh man, Roger McCreary is such a good player. Very undervalued. I think he's getting forgotten a lot because of all the other guys are getting talked about. But I'll take, give me some Roger McCreary, man. I love Roger McCreary. All right, Jake. We are now on islands. We are not talking about the same guys for the rest of the draft, at least for this episode. Um, I think we got one. I thought we have one guy. I mean, not necessarily in the same order, but yes. there's, yeah. <laughs> So your next guy on your list is the corner on an island. Here. The yes. corn husker himself out of Nebraska. Talk about Cam Taylor Britt. Let me preface this by saying that the next three guys, including Cameron Taylor Britt, are so closely ranked for me. And honestly, I had I had to come to Dan even before we started off with the show that I I was just looking at my top ten and I said, you know what? I went back, I looked at some things, rearranged <laughs> this these this order here in the bottom three. So these next three guys that we're going to talk about for me, at least on my list are extremely close, but cam Taylor Britt, Dan, uh, first off came out blazing at the combine, ran a four, three, eight at the combine, tremendous speed. Here's some of the stats for you. 18 combined interceptions and pass breakups over the last two seasons. That was actually the most in the big 10 and at the senior bowl, as they like to say in game of Thrones, he chose violence. <laughs> as he was laying out wide receivers during during drills against Michigan this year, he was a monster. He recorded 11 tackles and three pass breakups. You love the experience this kid comes in with as a three-year starter, plays with swagger, plays with energy, got the quick feet and anticipation that you're looking for. But a little bit like Kyer Elam, he could be undisciplined at times. He needs to be a little bit more disciplined at the next level as he can get overzealous at tackling and uh, and occasionally beat by double moves. But 
I just like the swagger that this kid plays with. I love the physicality that he plays with. And again, even at 5'11 and 196, running a 4'38, you love to see that from this guy. And I just think that he would bring a fantastic energy to a secondary that you're pairing him with Asante Samuel Jr. and Mike Davis. Yep. So Kyler Gordon, for me, um, weirdly, I know this is going to sound crazy, but did not make my top 10. He's in my honorable mentions. Um, I do like him again. So for Jake, number six was Roger McCreary. Seven was Kobe Bryant, which you remember before. Eight is Cam Taylor Britt. And nine is Kyler Gordon. For me, we're now we had six is McCreary. Seven, which is kind of a shock. I know this is probably going to get me some heat. I have McDuffie down at seven for me, Jake. I like the, again, the comment I, section. If they haven't blown up already, they're definitely going to be blowing up. Now. I know. Look, I, again, I, I like, I like McDuffie. I like him, but seeing where I have him being picked and where I have him graded as like an early round two ish grade, I have him down there uh, for me again. I still love him. I think he's a great player. Uh, Kyler Gordon, though, four, five, two, 40, five, 11. Honestly, of all of the, the the highlights of these guys that I've seen, I think his toe tap boundary interceptions are some of the best, if not the best. Uh, really good kind of feel knack for pass breakups. Good eyes, really good athlete. Certainly, like looks and tests the part. Like if you if you had a guy that you drew up that you would be a top corner in this league, it would be him. Like thirty one inch arms, nine and a quarter inch hands, but. I do think that he needs more development in like the, the technical aspect, like tackling. I think he kind of gets a little erratic at points of conflict sometimes, uh, which is why I have him as like a late round two guy for me. But again, I, I like Kyler Gordon. I just don't have him as high as you. I have him in my, in my honorable mentions list. But one guy that I do have on my list, Jake, I don't know if he, and I don't think you have him on your list. Jermaine Waller out of Virginia Tech. Give me some of Jermaine Waller, man. I... This is going to be Dan's pound the table moment, as this is one of yep. his favorite prospects out of this class. Pound the table for Jermaine Waller. Great play in the box. The only negative, the only negative that I see in him glaring mm -hmm. is the fact mm -hmm. that he is 180 pounds. And? If he could use a hundred, if he can get another 10 pounds or so, I love it. Now he did not grade well on the 40 time. I'll give you that four, six on the 40, four, six, eight, so almost four, seven on the 40. Uh, I think there were some issues. I don't, I think he's going to test better than that on his pro day. So TBD on that, but nine pass breakups this past season. Great feel for the play. Really good instincts. Shed blocks really well, which I think is a very undervalued skill at this level. Great ball skills. Smart playmaker. Plays physical. Has a really good presence and length to him that I think works well for him. Give him a couple a couple more pounds of muscle. I think he's good. He could do better. I think he could get coached up in terms of like turning his head around a bit earlier. Um, but I think he has great timing at the catch point. Plays through the whistle. The guy's a dog. Uh, I have him as a day two guy for me. And I was going through the comments, which just shows how much I was looking forward to watching more and more of this guy. I was going through the comments of one of his videos and one of his former teammates, Quincy Patterson, who was a quarterback at Virginia Tech, um, had said that he thought that Jermaine Waller was the better corner between him and Caleb Farley. Now, high praise, who knows if that's the case, but he has his eyes on Jermaine Waller as a better corner. So I have him 
in my top, I think he's my number eight. You don't have him on your list. I don't know where you have him, but I love Jermaine Waller. I think he's a great prospect, and you can build something great with him. I thought coming into combine week, Dan, and especially after watching some of his tape and what he did in the regular season and then watch some of his flashes during the senior bowl. I thought he was actually one of the more underrated prospects out of this entire group, not just our list, but we're, we're talking about the entire cornerback class of, of 2022. And what I saw was a guy who plays physical and press man coverage. Again, as you mentioned it, good, long, long frame, 31 and a half inch arms. Um, and I think that, one of the biggest letdowns was that, you know, coming in at six foot 180 was definitely as far as size goes, was one of the more leaner, lighter cornerbacks and running a four, six, eight. Now I would hope that I would assume that come his pro day, he's not going to stand on those numbers. I would expect no a vast improvement. And I hope to see that uh, because yes, the weight's a problem. Yes. The speed looks like a problem again, was the lowest uh, or the slowest out of all of the cornerbacks that ended up running at the combine. So he's going to need to put on size, strength, definitely improve that speed number for him. I'll be interested to see if that is his 40 number, what's his three cone number going to be. So there's still a lot of question marks for me as things progress. Now, could this improve for him? 100%. I would just need to see that a little bit more. Hopefully come draft time, he's obviously put on a little bit more weight. We'll see in between now and his pro day as well. But yeah, I, uh, I would think that he'd be looking to improve on a number of different aspects from his testing because testing is really important for him. But if you just look at the tape, if you just let that Thank you. be Thank you. your, your measuring stick that I know a lot of people can get a lot of value in here, but his, his, his tape was, his tape was extremely undervalued. And again, you go back to shrine bowl week and look what he did during practices. I mean, he looked good, but Dan, I think the, uh, the biggest thing if, if, you know, not every test for every position is vital, but one thing you need to have at the cornerback position, no doubt about it is speed. <laughs> and that was just a big, Huh? When he ran that, that was just a little bit of a surprise and a little bit, you know, I was a little bit taken back when I saw that, saw that, but those would be the only things that I could say where he's at now for me. Yes. He's not in my top 10, but depending on how the pro day comes around, you measure that with the tape, he's got the potential to move up. Yeah. I think of all of the corners, I think he has the most to earn on his pro day. I think he can make a ton of money if he can go out there and show a good 40 time and maybe bulk up a bit in the next month or so. Uh, okay, so, again, number six for me is McCreary, seven, McDuffie, eight is Jermaine Waller for you, six, McCreary, seven, Kobe Bryant, eight, Cam Taylor-Britt, number nine, Kyler Gordon, which we talked about. My number nine, and I think this is one of your favorites, Jake, that just missed your top ten, Alante Taylor, six foot, 199 corner out of Tennessee. Talk about freak athlete and Damn, this kid looks good. Nine, like all the measurables you just gush over. Four, three, six, 40, over 32 inch arms. Actually, was one of the few corners who actually did the vertical. And boy, 34 and a half inch vertical. Like, give me more of that all day long. I don't understand why more corners don't do verticals. I wish they would. I think that's a huge trait that you want to see in your corners. Like, how much can you jump up at the catch point? I don't know why they don't do it, but I'm glad he did because he made himself a lot of money by doing so. 
Alante Taylor, man, great speed, physical corner, long frame. I think he shows some really good versatility as well. That the Chargers will probably be looking at uh, for both like the safety packages, potentially it could be like in the sub star money area, uh, a little bit of a longer stride corner, sure tackler, really good hands, good click and close technique. He has that ball hawk mentality that I really look for in a corner, especially I think fitting in with Brandon Staley. Uh, was the bona fide leader of that Tennessee defense, which I think should not be underrated because I think Chargers typically go for captains on their teams. Um, aggressive play style, still quick, even though he does have the longer strides with a little bit longer legs. He's a, he's quick. He has that twitch that I think a lot of people don't have for that size um, and can honestly handle his own against big wide receivers. Again, he's only six foot, so he's not like six two, six three, like some of the other guys we talked about. But he plays bigger than six foot, and that those long arms and hops help him out. Alante Taylor to me is a day two pick, solid day two pick for me. I have him as my number nine corner in this draft. Like I said I hated leaving Alante Taylor off this list, and most likely over the next month or so of going back and watching film and studying these guys. And like I said, from from eight to all the honorable mentions that I'm about to talk about here in just a little bit, it's it's so fluid. These guys are so close together. And again, like I said, I hated leaving Alante Taylor off this list. It was it was killing me when I was making my top ten. But I think he's got some really really good potential to move up here in the next week or so. Just going back and and double checking myself. But I'll tell you one one team that's that's not afraid to look at him is the Chargers because we do know that they have actually met with Elante Taylor. Um, and then you talk about the the measurables. Again, six foot, 199, great size for the position, running a 4-3-6. Had the second most red zone coverage snaps played without allowing a single touchdown. That's 47, and that's according to PFF. 47 red zone <laughs> coverage snaps played without allowing a single touchdown. One of the more physical cornerbacks in this class, not afraid to tackle, has the aggressive hands and press coverage that you want to see, shows great anticipation to jump the routes, and is impressed as a gunner even on special teams. So for all of the uh, for all of the old school uh, Kasim Osgood fans, hey, here you go. Here's, no. here's one of your guy for to give some love to the gunners of the world. So like I said, I absolutely hated leaving him off this list. I'm even kicking myself in my own ass right now, just thinking about it in my head. So um, like I said, from this point on, these last couple of guys that we've talked about through the honorable mentions that are, we will talk about here in a little bit, everything is so fluid because it's such a deep and talented cornerback class. Jake, we made it to number 10. And both of these guys we have, uh, I'll do mine first, then I'll go to yours because I, I, I love both of these guys for different reasons. Uh, so let's just kick this thing off. Number 10 for me on my list out of Georgia, Darian Kendrick. Have you seen Darian Kendrick, Jake? I've seen Darian Kendrick. I love the way this guy plays six foot, 194, 31 inch arms. He hasn't run his 40 yet. He does have nine and one eighths inch hands, but man. Such a strong build, has swagger and attitude for days, high motor, really good route runner, running technician in terms of like recognition and awareness. I think he follows receivers very well. Um, physical on the boundaries, although I do see him being more inside as like of a nickel slot corner in the NFL than he was at Georgia. Went up against like 
the premier SEC competition. So like went up against Jamison Williams and played him very tough. Uh, turns his head around really quickly, tracks the ball really well. Uh, he used to be a wide receiver, so he's like a man-to-man specialist. Uh, great hands. Uh, looks to it looks like he runs wide receiver routes with the wide receiver. But here's the asterisk: there are some character concerns. First, he was cut from Clemson, then he went to Georgia, and then he was arrested, although later expunged, on some drug and gun charges. Which again, not great. Like the, that's the asterisk. But there's going to be a team that says to hell with it. It's fine. He learned his lesson. It will take him. I have him as a day two talent, bona fide day two talent, but the character concerns are going to throw some teams off and they're not going to want him because of that. But Darian Kendrick, talent wise alone, is a top 10 corner in this class. Yeah, the the speed testing for him when he gets a chance to run his 40, Dan, that'll be interesting to see where is that going to place him at the next level? Because if he doesn't run as fast as you'd like to see, could probably kick him inside as a nickel cornerback. Um, but outside of that, his traits, good route recognition to battle wide receivers, um, capable of undercutting passes. He showed that on tape. Uh, he used to actually be a wide receiver himself. So he's a converted quarterback from a wide receiver. Uh, plays against good competition throughout college, but always didn't have the best results. So a little bit in, inconsistent. And again, as you mentioned, Dan, the character concerns are a big one. I'm sure that enough teams that have met with him, I probably, that was one of their first couple of questions that they had to go through with him. So we'll see what that is. But I think the the testing is the biggest thing for him. So when, when Georgia comes around to having their pro day for him, um, obviously the, hit, the the testing is going to be a big time impact depending on how he tests as far as where teams could possibly see him at the next level. Jake, you excited? Honestly, the guy, we're about, the guy we're about to talk about is arguably – my favorite corner, not necessarily like he's not in my top 10. Although I like you with Alante Taylor, I'm kind of kicking myself for not having him there because I love, I love this guy. Jake, who's your number 10? So yeah, I think this is the, the second time on our prospect breakdown so far that I've gotten a chance to say this. I know we said it once during the wide receiver breakdown. This is the second time that I've gotten to say size B damn. Dan, eventually we just got to have one of those you know, like seal of approval stamps just come up in the middle of the screen and just be like, pow, Jake Hefner, seal of approval, size be damned. Uh, I love Marcus Jones. And yes, I know the first thing that everybody's going to say, well, Jake, dude's only 5'8", 174. Size be damned. It doesn't matter. Look at this. Five interceptions, 13 pass breakups in 2021. Special teams weapon with nine special teams returns touchdowns to the house over his college career. Nine. Nine. Plays much bigger than his size. Uh, shown the ability to to outjump bigger wide receivers to break up passes. I can't remember. There was actually the tweet that I put out, and I can't the, the team that he was playing against escaping me. But Dan, it's right in the corner of the end zone where he's literally outjumping a guy who's at least at least five or six. six Alex Pierce. Yeah, Alex Pierce. You. There it was. Thank you very much. Uh, and it was just a great play made by him. So great anticipation, fluid hips. This guy has a nose for the football. He's just a dog. And let me say it again, just size be damned. I love the way that this kid plays. Think as a late day two, possibly early day three prospect, I would love to see this, this kid be a part of this charger secondary if it falls that way. Yeah, I have him as a mid to late day two pick for me, but I love Marcus Jones. I love Marcus Jones. 
He played everywhere in college, but again, because of his size, size be damned, but because of his size, he's probably going to be an inside quarter in the NFL, and that is totally okay. Uh, yes, he is 5'8", but damn it, this guy has incredible athleticism, incredible twitch. He tackles bigger than he should for 5'8". He lays the wood on some guys, has tenacity for days. Versatility is just oozing out of him. It's between him and Cal Austin as the two biggest versatile weapons of this entire draft class, in my opinion. Uh, he is definitely the most versatile corner in this class. Special teams ace. You talked about all the returns he had. He had, I want to say, I think, so weirdly enough, Lance Zerline actually compares him, which I thought was brilliant, to a Dante Hall archetype, hmm. which I remember Dante Hall and the Chiefs, man, and that guy was, and no one wanted to punt to him for good reason. So he has like the cornerback skills, but also has that ability to contribute on special teams immediately. So I think teams are going to see that and kind of bring him up higher on the boards because of that. Um, his instincts translate both offense and defense. Again, like you, you see him playing everywhere. You see him playing corner. You see him playing kick return, punt return. You see him playing running back slash wide receiver. He's kind of has that offensive weapon tag for himself sort of thing. Not the fastest, but arguably I think he's the quickest on the field anywhere he plays. Uh, again, I have him as a mid to late day two. I love Marcus Jones. I don't know where he's going to go. I'm fascinated to see. He kind of reminds me of, um, uh, I forget who the TCU corner was that came out. That was a couple, that was a bit shorter as well. Uh, Tariq, I forget his name. Um, Robertson, whatever they want. Tariq Robertson? Something Robertson. Anyways, he has a smaller frame, but dude, this guy is so good. I love Marcus Jones. So that gets us through our top 10. We made it through that. Jake, let's go real quick. Let's get through some honorable mentions that did not make our top 10, but we'd be damned if we did not talk about. Honestly, there's a bunch of these guys for me. So I'll try to keep it limited to like, I don't know, three to five or so. Jake, the floor is yours. So let's start off with the obvious one that maybe a few people are asking about. I was like, well, why is this guy not in your top 10 at the very least? Uh, and that's that's Tariq Rowan out of UTSA, Texas San Antonio. This kid, for his size, 6'4", 205, Dan, ran a four two six. I mean, that's just ridiculous for a guy that size to be running with those type of numbers. So size, the length, the speed, that is all there to be a prototypical secondary coach's dream that you would love to see has the potential to be scheme versatile versatile not the most willing tackler inconsistent which i think is a big reason why he's not in in my top 10 um and only played cornerback for two years so his inconsistencies his willing his is unwilling or not his unwillingness but his inconsistencies as it relates to tackling when everything that we've been talking about with the guys above this list about not afraid to tackle, which we know that this Chargers secondary needs, that's kind of what is one of the biggest drop-offs for me. And his his skills just in general, and, and this was on display during the testing, he's still raw. You saw that during the backpedal drill. Outside of the 40, if you watch the rest of the way that he played, it, it wasn't it wasn't the best thing that you'd like to see from corner. So he's he's definitely a guy that from the physical standpoints is so enticing 
to have as part of your team. But if you were to draft him, he's going to need some time to develop his skills, get a little bit better at the next level to unlock his full potential that I think that he's got. Um, Dan, you want me to just keep going with these honorable mentions? Or yeah, go for it. Back and keep rolling. Okay. As I mentioned, I had Alante Taylor in my honorable mentions. Again, kicking myself in the ass for that. Uh, one of the next guys that I'll go to that I thought ended up making himself could have potentially upped his draft stop big time, Dan. And that was Zion McCollum out of San Francisco. Ah, yes. 6'2", 199. You go back and you watch the tape on this guy. Again, ran a 4-3-3 at the combine. Fantastic Woo! time for someone that size. Outstanding size for a quarterback. Always around the football. Dan, talk about production. 54 pass breakups, 13 interceptions, six forced fumbles. Plays physical. We'll be interested to see where teams value him as he's one of the more underrated corners in this draft. But again, it's not like he's going to be a secret for much longer after testing like that. Looked smooth in his backpedal and his hip movement throughout the combine. I think the biggest thing for him is just to say, you know, great production when you start rating off those stats. But who was the competition that you were going up against? But physicality, length, speed, that's all there. So if you can, if you could put that into a good secondary coach and coach him up, I have a feeling that this kid could be one of those sleepers that it could end mm-hmm. up blossoming really, really well at the next level. Yeah, Dan, a, couple, a couple of things. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go, no, no, go ahead. Because I know you had Zion as one of your honorable mention guys. Yes, I did. I actually have him as my 12th ranked corner in this class. Uh, and I had Kyler Gord ranked 11th. And again, so a lot of these guys we've already talked about. So I'll keep them to the guys we haven't talked about. But Zion McCollum. Oh, does he have a knack for interceptions, man? Such a great job of blanketing wide receivers. He might be the most athletic of all of the corners. Jake, I know you mentioned the 4-3-3, but he has a 39 and a half inch vertical. Like, yes, please. He could possibly be playing some safety. The guy is a ball hawk. You mentioned his height, his size. Really good hand, sure tackler. Can play inside, outside. Love Zion McCollum. Love that you brought him up because I would have if he didn't. <laughs> Yes, I was definitely going to be doing that. And then my last honorable mention before I kick it over to Dan is Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State. Joshua Williams is one of the more underrated prospects in this draft. And again, just because the size pops off the chart for you, 6'3", 195, ran a 4'5", at the 40. You were hoping for a little bit faster considering, you know, what you see from the likes of a guy of the same size as Sauce Gardner. Um, but you put on the tape of this kid and – all over the place, he's making plays. Again, small school small school prospect coming out of Fayetteville State, but he's got tremendous upside. Great size for the position, quick feet, plays fast, has good closing speed. Again, low level of competition, but has those next-level traits that could project well at the next level. I thought uh, during bowl week, I thought that a lot of people were starting to really watch him a little bit. Um and again, I think he was underrated coming into this. It'll be interesting to see if he ends up sitting on that time of a four, five, seven, or if he looks to improve that. But um, you know, later rounds, not too late, but later rounds, um, I could definitely see someone taking a swing on this kid and potentially getting a great developmental quarterback. So there's a bunch of guys that I have on my honorable mentions list. Most of them you've kind of talked through. I do want to go through some of the guys. I mean, obviously you talk about Cam Taylor, Britt that I really like. I really like Marcus Jones, obviously. Um, there's a couple guys I do want to talk about that aren't necessarily going to be, they're not like my next best corners, but someone that I want you guys to take a look at in terms of like day three sleepers. 
that if the Chargers pick up one of these guys, they are in for a great steal, kind of in that diamond in the rough category. Not quite there, but they're the ones that I think are going to get, whoever picks them up is going to get defined. Uh, a couple guys, Monteric Brown of Arkansas, love what he does. Great length, six foot, 196, very sturdy, pretty good hands, spectacular diving interceptions. You should see the one he has against Texas A&M. I have him as like a late day two, early day three. He's very quick, instincts really, really good. He's really He has longer arms, which is nice. And he has impressive click and close at the top of routes, which I think helps him the most with pass breakups. Uh, great physique, Monteric Brown of Arkansas. Another one, Jake. I have two more. One, Cordell Flott out of LSU. Uh, having those late day two, early day three prospect. A little bit thinner, but is tall. 6'2", again, thin. 170, needs to put on probably 15 pounds of muscle. But as a slot corner, you cannot take away what this guy has done from a productivity perspective. Jake, this guy led all of NCAA in catches allowed, passer rating, and coverage grade amongst slot corners at an 88.2 coverage grade led college. Don't let that fool you. He played alongside Derek Stingley. He is a very good corner. It was often overlooked because of the other guy, but Cordell Flott is going to be a good cornerback in this game, in this game, especially if they can get him with some muscle, a lot of versatility, very aggressive. Last guy I have Jake Tariq Castro field at a Penn state six, one, four, four, three, great instincts, physical corner, Really good blitzer in the box. And how many corners? I think there's one other corner. I don't remember who it was. But he's one of two corners that I have seen that picked off and intercepted, or read, excuse me, read and intercepted a running back screen after lining up outside and did this exact thing against Michigan. Blasted through the offensive line blocks, intercepted the quarterback on a running back screen pass. Just a smart kid, good feel for the game, very smooth. I have him for me as like an early day three guy. Whew. Okay. I think we've gone through like literally, I think we've gone through 20 guys. Are there any others? Want to put a flyer out before we wrap this one up? I think it'll put a bow on it now, but Dan, when we come back to this in a couple of weeks, which we will, <laughs> I have a good feeling that it's going to look completely different than what the list is now. <laughs> There's just, like we said, it is a deep, deep class at corner and for the chargers who don't necessarily as far as this class goes you know as far as the cb1 that's all at the top but the chargers aren't necessarily looking at a cb1 as far as draft class goes free agency now that's a different story we'll see obviously what that has to (laughs) that's going to change this whole barometer if it ends up going that way here in the next week or so but um it's a it's a great class if you're looking for a guy who can step in on day one as a CB2 or a CB3 for the Chargers. Extremely deep cornerback class. A lot of guys on here that we didn't even get a chance to mention, but I'm sure we will over the next couple of episodes. All right, Jake, I'm going to ask you the same question. Last question before we wrap out of here, as we did on the other podcasts for the other prospect breakdowns. Day one, day two, day three. Realistic. Oh, man. Realistic. You can give a scenario where people trade back, whatever you want to do, but... <sighs> Day one, day two, day three. Who's your realistic home run pick? See, for me now, and Mike Williams obviously signing his long-term deal, that takes wide receiver out of this mark. And And how I originally had my priorities ranked before any of this even happened 
it was still edge and D tackle were like my 1A, 1B as far as position. Then it went corner, then it went wide receiver. So wide receiver to me now is really off the board as far as, you know, maybe a small percentage chance, depending on who's there, maybe give it 2% at this point, 17. So cornerback would be still not my top choice at, at 17, would be still my number three option if I was forced to make one. But looking at these guys, if you gave me a trade down scenario and you're back in the mm, early to mid twenties, I could see a case be making, be made for a Trent McDuffie, or I could see a case possibly even be made for a Kyrie Elam in, in that, uh, in that back half of that round one. So those would probably be the two that I would say that I would target there. Realistically, who's going to be on the board for the chargers in round two. And we were looking at some of these guys, the end you had mentioned Kobe Bryant, um, I think Cam Taylor Britt would be a great fit in that circumstance. Uh, Roger McCreary, obviously, there would be realistic. I have no idea, again, where Andrew Booth Jr. is going to go. Really have no idea. But I don't expect him to be on the board by the time that the Chargers roll back around in the second round. So I agree. it'll be an interesting to see because I think after day one, you're going to see a lot of teams start running on corners on day two. So it'll be interesting to see who's left on the board. And then day three... You know, Kyler Gordon is a guy that I know a lot of people have been slotting as a round two pick. I've seen it a lot. The combine may have changed things a little bit for him. Um, But again, by supply and demand, he still could end up being a second round pick. Marcus Jones, to me, day three, I think is, is solid for him. He's right on that fringe. Dan, I know you were just a little bit higher on where you project him at, uh, maybe in back end of round three, but I could see him right on that fringe of round three or four. Um, and yeah, some of the honorable mentions guys, Alante Taylor, Alante yes. Taylor, I yes. would love to say is going to end up in round two. I would love to see the Chargers possibly take him in round four, first round on on day three. But who the hell knows? Zion McCollum, Joshua Williams, these guys that I have mentioned, I think are all realistic options for day three. But simply because of supply and demand, Dan, and how we have learned now, especially with Russell Wilson coming into the division and already having to contend with Patrick Mahomes, you can't have enough good DBs. And as Brandon Staley said, they are going to be putting an emphasis on corner, whether it's this season, this off season or off seasons moving forward, Brandon Staley is going to keep reloading that cornerback position because the chargers are going to need it. So there's probably going to be plenty of guys that we have not even mentioned on this list that are going to end up being targets for the chargers. If they intend to address the cornerback position on, let's just say day three. <laughs> yeah. The, I honestly, I like all your picks. Uh, Alante Taylor, man, that'd be sweet if he somehow fell. Like, yes, please sign me up. I doubt um, it. I doubt it. But Roger Mc, Roger McCreary, day two. Again, Alante Taylor. Oof. I mean, Alante Taylor to me is like one of those. You know, it's it's a fringe. It's one of those fringe things for me. It's it's really hard to place him. I think he's. I think his draft stock definitely got elevated for what he did in the cornerback. Roger McCreary. I, I don't know. This is a guy. This is another guy whose draft stock has considerably and McDuffie to me are like fluctuated. The, they're like the same. Like 
if McDuff or if if oh, again, McCreary. I don't I don't expect Roger McCreary to be on the board by the time that the Chargers are making their second round pick. Okay, okay. Do I do I think that he's going to go in the second round? Yes, I do. Do I think it would be ridiculous if he was to last until when the Chargers pick in round two? I would be saying, what the hell have the other sixteen teams ahead of us done in that? That would be that, that would be like point. a Santi Samuel last. It year. would be. It would be. So that would be. If he was there in round two, hell yeah, give give me some of that. Definitely. Okay, question. Would you take him or Cal Austin? Let's say both are there, second round. I can't shy away from Cal Austin. I I can't <laughs> I I do agree. it. I, I can't I do it. You put him in the offense with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, you get that speed factor that you've been looking for. Talk about a weapon for Justin Herbert to pair him along with your other speed guy and Jalen Guyton. <laughs> now you're in business. Now you're talking about really contending with the Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC West. This is going to be a fun one. Jake, we got through it. We have made our way through wide receiver, made our way through interior defensive line. We made our way through corner. I uh, can't wait for the next episode. What position are we doing next? I don't think we've even, we've even fully uh, decided, but you know yeah. what? I've got a lot of other things that I have going on over the next week and a half that I have. Kind of busy. Even, I haven't even given much thought to it yet. So, <laughs> And that's okay. And yeah. that is okay. All right, guys, let's uh, put a bow on this for Jake Hefter. You can find him at Jake D. Hefter, myself, at Chargers Homer on Twitter. Again, LAC underscore Unleashed on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, as well as YouTube. Hit that like and subscribe button. Hit the notifications so you get notified whenever we have something come out, i.e. special guest episodes coming soon. Until then, good afternoon, good evening, and good night from Chargers Unleashed. We will talk to you next time as we go through the next position breakdown. Maybe free agents, maybe special guests. Who knows? Hope you guys enjoyed this one. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Spring it on with 40 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Matching styles for the family are on sale, too. Shop it all through April 12th.